Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, 23 through 29, called Heirs According to the Promise. Now, a lot of the first disciples were fishermen. And we have some fishing miracles in the Gospels, right? And nets overflowing with fish. And all fish crammed into a net is a word picture that the fishermen could understand. In a tight space with no way out, no way of release, if you will. This is what the law does. The whole world is enclosed as guilty before God. And we need an answer. What is the answer? How do we find a way of escape? I think each of us know deep down that something's wrong. Each of us have a sense within our hearts and Romans 1 and 2 makes this clear. We have a sense of the law. Our hearts have the law written on them because we've been made in the image of God. And our conscience bears witness to that law. This is what theologians call the moral argument for God's existence. We have a sense of right and wrong verified by our conscience. And our conscience will either accuse us or excuse us. Amen? So there's times when I was growing up and I would get in a fight with my sister. And my sister was tough and strong and faster than me, as frustrating as that was. And we get in a little scrap and we go back and forth and she'd hit me and I'd chase her and I'd hit her and I always then felt bad. Ah, oh, I hit my sister. <laughs> Why did I feel bad? Because I had a sense of the law. Because <laughs> I had a conscience. And that's just the problem with the people these days, said Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> Nobody pays attention to their conscience anymore. <laughs> that's just the problem with the world today. Anyway. I know that was a weak attempt, but anyway. <laughs> so scholars say that here the, the law functions as a kind of warden a warden of a prison. And there we are, behind bars, hemmed in, tight spaces, guilt, with no hope of escape. And then the revelation of Jesus comes. And what did he come to do? To set the captives free. Isaiah 61. He's in his own hometown. Luke chapter 4 captures this. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has sent me to proclaim good news to the captives, to set at liberty the people who were trapped. Paraphrasing, but you guys remember the verses. I've come to set people free, to open the prison doors, to lift the weight, to lift the boulder, to make you free. Many people who have uh, shared with me their experience of salvation. have told me they felt like a weight was lifted off of their shoulders. And that's what he does. Because he took the weight for us to give us that hope of everlasting life. Now a further image that's given to us in verse 24 is that of a tutor. Therefore the law, 24, has become our tutor. Your uh, 
Your translation may say guardian. Uh, if you have an old King James, it says schoolmaster. RSV says custodian. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. The Torah, which is the Hebrew word for law, is a tutor. Now, a tutor in our uh, vernacular is somebody maybe growing up that help you, helped you with your algebra homework, homework or maybe did your algebra homework for you. Anybody out there? Slip them $20. <laughs> Just do it for me. I don't get it. Those of you who get algebra, we, we highly respect you. That's all I can say. Anyway. But a tutor in the ancient world was a very familiar scene to the ancients. And here's what would happen. In Greco-Roman households, they had something called a pedagogos. Or we might just say a pedagogue. And a pedagogue was an ancient servant could be a slave in a household or a free person who served in a household. And they were responsible typically for young boys. They were kind of a glorified babysitter who were given charge by wealthy families to make sure the kids did their assignments, went off to school safely, got home safely. They were known as strict disciplinarians. And in fact, I guess the pedagogue was not liked, especially by the pedagogy. <laughs> The person being babysat. How many of you growing up abused your babysitters? Oh. How many of you had households where babysitters had one-time events and never returned? <laughs> I don't care how much you pay me. I'm out of here. Anyway. But in the ancient world, this is what the pedagogue did. Kind of oversaw the young kids and their role was a temporary role until the kids uh, reached adulthood. The pedagogue would make sure they did their assignments, that they went to school, they did their studies, they were protected, they did their chores and everything. And then they were known as a child conductor until the child came of age. And when you came of age in a Roman society, you changed clothes from the clothes of a child you got to put on the toga. And the toga meant that you had hit adulthood. In Jewish circles, you became considered an adult at your bar mitzvah when you became literally accountable to the law, a son of the law. That's the idea of bar mitzvah, son of the law. And so this law that we've been talking about captured in the word Torah, is a tutor. How so? It watched over us. Now, there are, there are those, and I want to throw this out for your consideration, in Jewish circles that say that we need to see some of these images as more positive. And let me explain. They say that when we talk about the Torah being a custodian and a guardian and a tutor, that we need to see that the law entrusted to the Jewish people was for their good and for their protection and to make them a special people. And there are certainly nuances to that truth that we need to consider as probably a largely non-Jewish Gentile group. And let me I want to put this out there for those of you who are 
interested in evangelizing our Jewish friends. Sometimes they say that when we talk about the law, we are painting with such a broad brush that we do a disservice to the oracles entrusted to the people of God because it set them apart as a special people. And in some ways, it prepared them for the Messiah. And they say that we need to be careful that we don't tell people, Jewish committed people who are committed to the Sabbath or kosher diets or um, you know things that go with a, uh, a Jewish approach to life, that we don't say that you can't keep Torah anymore or Torah doesn't mean anything anymore. Because the realization for a Jewish Christian is this. Now I understand the fulfillment of Torah. Example, Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to what? Fulfill it. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. So a Jewish believer might say, I practice Passover, but I know it points to the Messiah. I practice the Feast of Tabernacles. I make, you know, a shelter in my backyard. But I know it points to Jesus and the second coming of the Lord. They might practice Shabbat or the Sabbath at Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And we would say, praise God. You don't have to stop with your cultural practices to be a Christian. And sometimes, and I, I put this out there so we can have kind of a more full or perspective. Sometimes we make the law such a, a general idea that we say, well, the law is gone. No, the law, the moral aspects of the law are still in place. Amen. Thou shalt not murder, steal, commit adultery. <laughs> now we're not saved by keeping the law. But the law is still God's top ten if you look at the moral aspects of the law. And here's where we can become a Christian and still retain some traditions, if you will, that are good and healthy as long as we don't miss Christ in them. We've had many services here where we've done a Seder service and we call it Christ in the Passover. This is important for us to understand because I think some of the people out there that are Jewish think that maybe we push them away by not understanding where they're coming from. Everybody with me? So I'll give you an example. Uh, Dr. Walter Martin, way back in the day, was at New York University, and he said that there was a man who had become a Christian. He was a Jewish man, and he was a very passionate evangelist. And so he would walk up and down the street in front of New York University and he would share the gospel. But Dr. Martin said that he was so obnoxious <laughs> to the Jewish students that he had them all fired up. He said in Dr. Walter Martin's style, he would chew them up one side and chew them down the other. He said he had them into a frenzy. He said way back in the day, I was still known as the professor. And so he said, I come walking by one day. He had them all stirred up, all angry. Repent. You're going to leave this stuff and come to Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden, Walter Martin said he was just walking by. And the Jewish evangelist pointed at Dr. Martin and said, There, there's a man who can answer your questions. And Dr. Martin was like, what? He had him in a frenzy. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And the Jewish evangelist pointed at Dr. Martin and said, There! There's a man who can answer your questions! And Dr. Martin was like, What? He had him in a frenzy! They were like sharks going to blood in the water! And Dr. Martin said, what, what was I to do? He said, I felt like I would just start, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. I didn't know what to say. But then he said, in a moment, I said to them, you know, you don't have to stop being Jewish to become a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. And then I'll let you consider whether or not this statement is the best way to do evangelist evangelism he said you can either go to heaven god's way or go to hell your own and he walked away that was how dr martin rolled he was very blunt but see sometimes people get the idea that oh well then all does all of this go away no what paul is saying is simply this circumcision doesn't save you a kosher diet doesn't save you keeping shabbat Sabbath days don't save you. But if you're Jewish, you don't have to stop doing that. Just come to Jesus. And if you're from another culture where maybe, you know, you wonder, well, can I become a Christian? My family didn't do things this way. Or how do I, how do I gravitate through my heritage to come to Jesus? You come to Jesus the way we all come to Jesus. I'm Italian. I came to Jesus the way everybody comes to Jesus. I realized I was a sinner in need of a Savior. You see, all ground is level at the foot of the cross. 
And I want you to think, brethren, for a second. Think about the people that come into the kingdom. Think about Paul in Philippi. He leads a woman named Lydia to the Lord. He uh, witnesses to a servant girl who had been demon-possessed. He shares the gospel with a Philippian jailer who comes to the Lord. You have Gentiles like Luke and Titus. You have all these Jewish people who get saved on the day of Pentecost in the early church. Jew and Gentile, one people in Jesus Christ. One people yet different. Look around the room. (laughs) Diversity in the body of Christ is a wonderful thing. Because it tells us that we're not cookie cutters. We all arrived at the foot of the cross maybe a different way, but we're all in need of a Savior. And when those walls come down between Jew and Gentile, and by the way, uh, they were a major stumbling block in the ancient world. These class divisions, now there's modern ones that appear, were a big deal but they're gone in Jesus. We retain, of course, our heritage, our uniqueness, our background, but we're all the family of Christ. I'll give you an example. I was reading a commentary this week, and Pastor Redding, a commentary, his last name is Wilson, said that he's adopted children from Ethiopia and Africa, and he's a Caucasian pastor in the States. He adopted these two boys, uh, twin boys, Uh, out of of an orphanage. So they were orphans and they're now part of his family. He said, you know, now that they're a Wilson, these boys have a new identity. They're still who they are. Skin color, background, heritage. But they now have a new identity in Christ as the Wilson boys. And this is what happens to all of us as believers. When we come to Jesus, we're still who we are, but we now have a new family identity. We belong to Christ and to one another. Amen? And you and I have an incredibly big family. There are billions of us around the world. Anywhere you go in the world, anywhere you go in the city, anywhere you go in the state, you meet another Christian, what do you know immediately? We're family. We call each other brother And sister, why? Because we're related. It's awesome. For you, 26, are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You're all sons, daughters. 25, now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. I told you once the tutor had done his job, once the young person grew up and put on the toga, The tutor wasn't needed anymore. If you're 20 years old, hopefully your parents don't have to call a babysitter for you. Can I get a witness? Some of you still need babysitters. 20 years old, but that's another story. Anyway, what does that mean? What does it mean that once faith comes, we're no longer under a tutor? It means that the law was part of the old covenant. It was the old revelation. Now we've come to Christ. We're not under the weight of the tutor in terms of thinking that that can save us. We're sons, daughters of the Most High God, and the channel by which that birth is realized is faith. For all of you, 27, who were baptized 
into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. You can think of that toga image there because this refers to a change of garments. All of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ, New King James. The fact that in this chapter, faith is mentioned 15 times and baptism only once should make us consider strongly that baptism is simply a picture of salvation and is not salvation itself. However, quoting from a commentary, for the earliest Christians, repentance, faith, and conversion and baptism were often experienced as a single event or a package deal, if you will. Baptism was the Christian rite of initiation into the church. This writer says, perhaps in our attempt to emphasize that baptism doesn't save you, we've downplayed baptism into relative insignificance. Let me explain. Water of baptism doesn't save you, Christ saves you. But Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And throughout church history, my understanding of church history is that your baptism was the main time that you gave a public confession that you identified with Christ, you were one with him clothed with Christ, and that you identified with his people or his body. The 3,000 people that got saved on the day of Pentecost baptized. Why? Because it was a way to show that you were clothed with Christ. And you go into the waters of baptism, it, scholars say that it's the big, the big theme is identification with Christ. With his death, burial, and resurrection, you go under the water. Kind of the old person goes under the water. The new person, newness of life in Christ comes out, clothed, immersed with Christ. You with me? You've been listening to Heirs According to the Promise, part two on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, 23 through 29. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And just so you know, Pastor Michael is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. And you're invited to attend either our Wednesday night service or our Sunday morning service live streamed on YouTube. Join Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Christian Fellowship family in worship and for an inspiring teaching from Pastor Michael. You can find Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube and by going to walkintruth.com. Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team would love it if you joined us. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a word. You know, sometimes when people are new to the Bible, they're like, Abraham, who's Abraham? <laughs> and what does it mean to be an heir of Abraham? Who is that dude? <laughs> hey, I understand that. You know, some of you are pretty new to the biblical story, but you've been learning a little bit about Abraham as we've been going through Galatians because Abraham is like the father of the faithful, the father of the Jewish nation. And to be in Abraham is to be uh, right with God by faith in the promises of God, just like Abraham was. You know, Abraham got saved the same way that we get saved. He lived before the cross. We live after the cross, but he anticipated the cross and he believed in the Lord. And the Lord said, hey, Abraham, probably not hey, but Abraham, you believed in me. You trusted me. You're righteous. I proclaim you righteous. 
And that is the good news of the gospel we proclaim. It is righteousness imputed, given to us as a gift by faith. And that doesn't, if you're uh, not a Jew, it doesn't make you a Jewish person just because you're an heir now through Abraham, but it grafts you into God's people. See, God has only one people, Jew and Gentile. And all of us come the same way. We come by faith in the living God who sent his son to die for us. And we must believe in Jesus to be saved. Jew, Gentile, no matter if you're male, female, as the Bible puts it, whether you're a servant or free, you come. we all come the same way and we're all one in Christ. And the good news is the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Hey, I'd like to invite you to our Wednesday night service. We have a midweek service. We've been going through the book of Ezra, doing a little teaching in Joshua as well. It's a great time to get a midweek fill-up to connect with some other believers. A couple ways you can do that. You can come out to the 7 p.m. service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor in the city of Corona, right off of Lincoln and the 91 Freeway. So you can connect with us there. We'd love to have you, love to meet you. Or the service is live streamed on our YouTube channel. Just search Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Or if you want to keep it simple, go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. Hey, get familiar with our website. There's some stuff to access there that you can find out more about the ministry. You can catch up on past messages all at walkintruth.com. Well, we'll catch you tomorrow, Lord willing. Have a wonderful day and we'll catch you then. Join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 3, 23 through 29 called Heirs According to the Promise. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth today, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.